All right, so welcome to the Meaningful Jobs uh, podcast season one. Uh, I'm your host, Adrian. And today, um, it's my great pleasure to welcome you guys um, to distinguished guests in Stu and Trish. Um, nice to meet you. Nice meeting you, Adrian. Nice to meet you. So I guess before um, you know uh, the interview will you know, start, I can give you guys a slight background um, story to what Stu and Trish are doing. So Stu has actually taken three public companies um, public before, but I guess what is interesting about this episode is that we'll talk about how he felt, uh, the, the emptiness he actually felt, um, despite having so much success in his career. And Trish is Stu's uh, wife, and he, she's been really supportive of Stu throughout the journey. But there's been, I, th I think, a market shift um, in the the bonding of the two of you after Stu, you know, realized perhaps, you know, the emptiness um, that his career success, you know, brought him and decided to make some changes to it. So perhaps maybe you can start us off by maybe Stu can tell us a little bit about your background story, perhaps maybe. Oh, I'd love to. So yeah, it's always hard to talk about who Trish and I are without mm. um, talking a little bit about the spiritual aspect, the Christian aspect, and that, all that aside. Mm. But yeah, I grew up uh, in the United States in uh, uh, the state of Colorado, and mm. um, my parents were divorced when I was 14. So what ended up happening with me is I kind of turned to myself mm. to take care of myself. Sometimes you know, when families blow apart, it can mm -hmm. ruin kids. Um, it, it impacted me in a different way, as opposed to me, um, you know, going to drugs and alcohol at an early age or doing something self-destructive. Mm -hmm. I did something somewhat self-destructive in the sense that I became incredibly self-focused to take care of myself. Um, sometimes self, you know, self-sufficiency is not a bad thing, but if it goes too far, then you end up becoming your own God. And yeah. Sort of what happened with me and didn't have a spiritual basis or center. So I grew up that way. And then um, Trish and I were, um, we met when I got out of school. I actually had a teaching undergraduate degree, but we got out of school and Trish and I met at a bar mm -hmm. and saw her. Um, she was just like as she is now smoking hot. <laughs> and so we, so uh, we kind of fell in love quickly. And then when we met, I, my attention started turning to business. Mm. And so I went to business school in, in the United States at the University of San Diego. And Trish mm. was actually an aerospace engineer. Yeah, she was a rocket I scientist. Was. In my former life, I was an aerospace engineer. <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah. So that's where our lives kind of started was with Trish and I getting married and then moving out to make our wares. And right. my, I had one goal, Adrian, and that was um, solely maximizing shareholder wealth. My friend, it was mm. about, you know, driving corporate value and I uh, became, was fortunate in some ways. I don't even know I was that qualified, but became a chief financial officer of the first company I was with at the age of 29 mm -hmm. and actually went out and took the company called EFTC public when I was 31 years old. And so oh, that's quite, quite, whereas I'm, whereas I'm yeah. yeah, where I'm 60 years old now, I'm getting old. <laughs> now oh, you're old old 60 years old. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. Like, thank you. For, yeah. Thank you for that. But yeah, but uh, I was 31 when we took our first company public. So that was what 29 years ago. Um, right. So I was known as the young guy then, not so much anymore. <laughs> and yeah, so that's what happened, Adrian. We kind of set off to make our wearers our ways, and um, that's how it all started for us. Before, perhaps I ask you a little bit about. Um, what led you to your attitude change? Could you 
tell me a little bit about how you think you know why you think led to your success like what were the the really important factors that gave you the platform to take three companies public maybe sure yeah you know there's the worldly success and the spiritual success and i think Mm. we need to kind of separate those a little bit though what i've learned as i've gotten older in life is those come together in a very healthy way when they come together because i'm in a different place now Mm -hmm. but at the time at the time it was really a product of hard work i used to have these uh these things that my grandfather would tell me that I'm not sure sure I agree that about these anymore because it's a little bit like Ecclesiastes uh, but he used to say that if you got to dance if you're going to dance you got to pay the fiddler right every dog has every dog has his day these Mm -hmm. were all product really of comments of self-sufficiency hard work and and good things will come that's true I mean again we we live in an era maybe the the work ethic has waned a little bit for a variety Mm -hmm. of reasons but for me, I'm not the smartest bulb or the brightest bulb in the lamp. I almost use mm-hmm. a false analogy, like the dog that barks against the wall, you know, that kind of thing. But <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that bright after all. But, <laughs> but, but Not too bad for somebody who, you know, achieved quite a lot of success, I guess. Well, I don't know. Yes, so I bet you were asking why that was the case. I think yeah, it was a product yeah. of just hard, hard work. Hard work. Right. I mean, Einstein, I think Einstein said that, you know, success is what, 99% or 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. And that's, I've never been afraid to work really hard. And that, I think that's part of it. Um, I think character always comes through and character in the world may be different than character from a spiritual point of view, but character, intellect, number two, are you smart? And and then skills, number three. And if you have a character of hard work and the intellect to be able to pick things up, then of course the skills can follow, particularly in today's age, right? I mean, look at what we're doing here with the, with the podcast. I mean, the, changing technology and all the rest of it's just happening faster and faster and faster so maybe the skills you have 10 years ago has nothing to do with the skills you need today Mm. so actually like what kind of um you know industries did you get you know quite a lot of working experience in and perhaps what challenges you 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 found yeah my experience came solely in technology right out of the chute Mm -hmm. I got out of business school and I went to work for a short period of time in the aerospace industry in the United States. I didn't like it. Mm. Um, and my first executive role came in um, uh, technology manufacturing. I did that for eight years where we went from a private company of about $25 million of revenues to um, about 1,400 um, people over around eight eight countries um, uh, with um, about half a billion dollars of revenues. And not only did we go public, we had numerous secondary offerings and that was all technology. And then from that space, I got into the telecom industry, moved from Colorado to the state of Washington in Mm -hmm. in the United Mm -hmm. States, Seattle, which is kind of a technology hub. Yeah. Went to work in investment banking for a short period of time, um, Mm -hmm. to do mergers and acquisitions in technology, Mm -hmm. and then moved forward from that to, um, become a CFO of a company called Isilon, which became a really big company, which right. is now part of Dell Technologies. So EMC, Isilon, if you see these huge data centers with the nodes, mm-hmm. all of those nodes were created by Isilon Systems, which is now part of Dell Dell Industries. Right. So almost uh, almost all of my business experience um, was in technology. Right, right, right. Um, I guess, obviously, the technological scene a few decades ago is really different from what it is now, I guess. Well, um, you got that right. You got that right. Yeah, That's what yeah. I mean. I mean, literally the things we thought were the leading edge technologies in the, you know, the mid to early 1990s would mm. all seem like brick and mortar now. But yeah. 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 How would you say 
um why so you know after a few decades i guess you know in technology how would you say you managed to stay on top of the industry like because i've got a lot of friends who work in tech as well but um you know due to layoffs or due to other reasons they might you know get left behind by the industry so perhaps how, how did you stay in top you think at the top well, you know my st- my story is a little bit different um wrote the book wall street to the well and what the well is is, it, is the growth from business into a, a spiritual life that can still be applied and i can talk to you a little bit about what i'm doing even in technology today mm-hmm. but what happened with me is on the isilon ipo roadshow the initial public offering roadshow and by the way i was in london oh, okay okay <laughs> yeah i was staying at the savoy hotel halfway through an ipo roadshow Wow. Where, where if you know how IPOs are done, initial public offerings, you're going around the world selling shares in the United States and then overseas. Mm-hmm. I was actually staying in the Savoy Hotel and I became a Christian. I was mm-hmm. saved. Mm-hmm. And that was um, December of 2006. So that mm-hmm. was, what, 17 years ago? Whoa. But, uh, but I was saved there. And so what ended up happening with me is after that... Um, spiritual experience for me after that salvation experience mm-hmm. uh, a year later i ended up going through all kinds of brokenness and difficulties and then a few years later actually mm-hmm. went to seminary mm-hmm. and ended up um, getting out of the technology world and built a church so god used some of the right. um, experiences that um, i gained through the business world to build a church and then recently in the last year mm-hmm. after 10 years of being a senior pastor I'm um, back in the technology world again, um, working with a company called Life First as co-founder and CFO and mm-hmm. board member, um, getting into um, Web3, next generation metaverse technology mm-hmm. and blockchain technology and things like that. That is the leading, the, the next leading edge of the next Web3 stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, it's interesting now because now I'm a Christian and getting back into the technology world. So how did I keep up with it for the last 10, 15 years? Not yeah. very well. Not very well. Not very well. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm learning that some of the things that were going on in technology 10 years ago or 15 years ago, though I still have kept up to speed at some level, aren't hardly even relevant anymore <laughs> compared to where the technology is going now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Just that's why, that, that's why character and intellect are more important than skills. See, mm. with character being a hard worker and working 80 to 100 hours to come up to speed, and then the intellect, again, that is God-given for us mm. to be able to process quickly to catch up is so much more important than what you may know today. Mm-hmm. I think out of curiosity, you, you mentioned about Web3 and uh, Metaverse before. Uh, just now. Do you think these are the two things that will be you know, the next, uh, perhaps the most important things in technology, maybe in the next decade? So what there's going to be subsets of all that when people say metaverse, Adrian, nobody really kind of knows what it even means yet. So when Facebook changes their name to meta, we know what metaverse means is a confluence of all these different web two technologies coming together mm-hmm. into a platform that's going to be virtual augmented reality, virtual reality, along mm-hmm. with just next generation technology. So the answer is yes. I think that this is going to be the next wave. It's going to take some years. You're going to see a massive transference of wealth from web two stuff, uh, even some of the technology we were even using on this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to become more robust and more virtual and how it's done. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this is kind of the vision of why I'm entering back into this space. I happen to be entering into a space that is going to be a Christian metaverse, but it's still a metaverse. Mm -hmm. It's the same concept. It's tokenization, web three. It's the virtual reality, augmented reality. It's AR headsets and VR headsets. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 AR VR even off of headsets through computers. It's the minority report stuff that you can actually do stuff with your hands. Yeah, I'm yeah. moving. So I've moved into that space, and I believe that's where you're going to see a massive transference of wealth in the future is from Web right. two to Web three and metaverse stuff. Right. right, I see. Well, that's uh, I guess a great eye opener, um, you know, for our audience. And you know, be before I get back to Stu, maybe I can ask Trish to maybe you know introduce yourself briefly as well. Perhaps maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing because I think you are in a company called uh, ENF uh, Broadcasting yeah. as a mm -hmm. senior donor advisor. So yeah, tell us yeah. a little bit about yourself and <clears throat> what do you think are the most important factors to have a successful career? Maybe. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> when Stu was uh, in seminary, um, mm -hmm. I was the main bread, uh, only breadwinner for a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. God was good. And um, through just him orchestrating my circumstances, um, I was able to get, and you're meeting our dogs too. They're very nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I was <laughs> able to um, get hired on with a ministry um, called EMF. It stands for Educational Media Foundation. Um, mm -hmm. Our biggest brands are K-Love and Air One. Most people know mm -hmm. us by K-Love. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was. I started out in uh, business development and then that department got closed or right. shut down. And um, God was just amazing because he moved me to where to an area where my gifting was going to be even stronger than it had been. And so um, I was uh, asked to interview for um, the engagement department, um, which is all, you know, all about our donors and things of that nature. So I got that job and I've been doing um, uh, fundraising for like six years now. And right, now right. I'm um, what's called a senior donor advisor. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I just took, um, strength finders and I look at my top five and I'm like, yeah, it's no wonder I am doing well because mm -hmm. God has me exactly where I need to be based on the gifts and the strengths that he has given me. And right. so, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing very well. I just, um, I just was promoted in January and so, oh, yeah. And, God has just been so good to allow me to have this job to provide for our family um, benefits and so on and so forth. So, so you mentioned about like your top five strengths, would mm -hmm. you mind sharing a little bit about perhaps like maybe your most invaluable strength you think you've got? So my number one strength is activator. Um, so I am not an overly patient person when it comes to people wanting to wait and dilly dally and, oh, we need to think about it and pray about it a little bit more. I'm like, pull the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. And so, and so, yeah, I, that kind of thing drives me crazy. And so, um, I'm the one that's like, let's cut to the chase. Let's get, let's start, let's get this done. This is how we need to do it. And so, um, so yeah. And then another strength that's really important in my line of work is uh, my number three strength is relator. And so um, I think that really helps when I am entering into a relationship with our donors is mm -hmm. um, relating with them and they, they feel that and appreciate that in me and feel really comfortable with me. Mm -hmm. And then um, another strength of mine is communication. So that's super mm -hmm. helpful too. And just being able to yeah, communicate, whether it's written word or spoken word. So, um, you know, going back to Stu, um, I think as I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, there is, you know, a certain 
period of change that happened within you um, that made you realize that you know taking companies public might not be as you know fun as it sounded mm. before you actually managed to do so so maybe could you walk us through a little bit how that process works yeah i'd be happy to yeah so one of the things that happened with me and i think it happens with everybody adrian is often we'll have goals set for ourselves particularly when we're young mm -hmm. and sometimes the most dangerous thing that can happen to you or the most blessed thing is that you'll actually accomplish them and it wasn't exactly what you thought Right. Uh, and yeah. sometimes, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? If you people, as they get older, often will find out, hey, I accomplished this and it didn't exactly give me the kind of satisfaction mm. or purpose that I thought it was going to give me. Mm. And so uh, that's what happened with me. I was both the what I was blessed and cursed to actually realize a lot of my goals at a pretty early age. When, right. you, when you take a company public at the age of 31 and then buy a house by the, and I didn't grow up with money. It was, I was never mentored. I think if one lesson I could say to anybody is that as you're successful or you're working your way through success is find those mentors in your life that have been there and done that. Mm -hmm. And they can kind of teach you how to handle these things uh, for whatever reason. And I found myself in a place where I was making a lot and getting a lot early in life. And mm -hmm. I didn't know how to handle it. And then I, I wasn't really understanding that the actual getting those things wasn't necessarily the purpose in life. What really was the purpose is doing something of significance, mm -hmm. right? That added certainty and all, all of those kinds of things that we're all after. Right. Um, I was such an economic animal that I was getting what I wanted on the balance sheet, but it wasn't adding the kind of, you know, satisfaction to me. Mm -hmm. In fact, I remember with the third company, after getting a little older, took the, by the time we took the third company public, I was 43 years old. So right. between 31 and 43, three different publics or mm -hmm. three different companies going from small private companies to growing to the point of being able to go public and being worth a billion, billion dollars. Mm -hmm. um, I remember standing on the Morgan Stanley uh, trading floor in New York City and looking up as we were getting ready to go public and then seeing the stock pop from like 12 bucks a share to 23 and being worth tens of millions of dollars and thinking to myself, I don't even really even feel happy here. Mm. I don't even, I, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Like what was my purpose right. in this? Right. And that's what ended up happening with me, Adrian, which was that, um, okay, if I'm accomplishing what I wanted, and yet I'm still feeling a sense of dissatisfaction in my life, what's mm. the real purpose in life? Right. What, what, is it, what is it that we really should be working on? And that's where an, a, a recognition of, of significance and where significance comes from started to occur to me. And I was still a fairly young man. I remember I was 43. Uh, like when I had my uh, experience in London where I became a Christian, I was still a young man, 43, still a young man. Yeah, still young, yeah. Even yeah. 50, 60 is young, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> right. I can say so, that. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Uh, so that's what happened with me. So, and it, it happens and it was disconcerting. Mm. So what ended up happening for me is I turned to things of the world, like um, drinking as right. an example. Uh, food and, and other things where I was trying to fill that empty hole in my heart with uh, things that wasn't being filled with the money and the success and all those things of the of the world. Mm. So I ended up becoming a, a functional alcoholic and later on dysfunctional. And then in my life, God kind of led me to get sober and, mm. and those kinds of things. But it, it I had to kind of hit the bottom 
of understanding where certainty, purpose, and significance comes from. And boy, I didn't have any mentorship. If I could just ask, if I could just add anything to people, if you're getting kind of the things that you want in life, at least you think you want, and you're living your dreams, put people around you that you trust that are older, that are mentors in your life, that can help you through the, through those kinds of things. And if you're from a family that um, has money, sometimes that can be a blessing because you realize for, through your generations that it's not really the money that is where the, the, the significance comes from. It's yeah. what you're doing with it that mm -hmm. really matters, right? Of yeah. course, of course. So, um, yeah, you just mentioned, you know, obviously how you became a Christian, the changes that led to it. Um, if you were, if let's say your life is in starting again from the beginning, what would you do differently, I guess? Yeah, that's a pretty deep question because from a theological perspective, some of that is based on God's will, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm so I know you can get into that whole, like who's in charge and who isn't and, you know, yeah. that, that whole thing. But um, it's always to be so I deep early in the morning, by the way. It, it really is. Yeah. Particularly it's earlier where we are than where you are. So, you know, usually we wait about two and a half more hours before we dive into this kind of depth. Because we need more coffee, <laughs> right? But, um, yeah. but I, I, I don't, I'm not a guy who looks back a lot. Mm. Trish will tell you this. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not a reflective person in, in the sense of what, what, what does this mean from 20 years ago? What I do, what I do think a lot about is, um, if I could do something different, what would it be? Well, I would love to have a closer relationship with God at an earlier stage in my life and not have been an arguing atheist in my thirties. I think would have that worldview would have, would have, would have rendered truth into, into my life so that I would have had a different kind of significance. And yet again, it's kind of God's work in our lives about how that some of that happens. So that's what I mean about the depth of theology. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any regrets about working hard. I, I wish I would not have drank, mm -hmm. uh, but even in that, I learned a lot about myself. So I don't know. I'm not a real, real reflective person. I kind of see how God's hand weaves us through the ups and downs of life. Right. Um, I wish I would have had a mentor. Uh, I, it's one of the big things, again, I keep expressing. I wish that I would have had somebody that had been there and done that, like a business leader, somebody worth $500 million that was being effective in their lives and had satis satisfaction in their life to be able to mentor me and tell me, hey, it's great to be successful but you know, you're not going to be happy with $500 million unless there's a greater purpose in your life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say something like that. Well, well, thanks a lot for that. Um, I guess perhaps maybe Trish, could you tell us a little bit about how you supported Stu in his maybe journey of finding a greater purpose in life? My the biggest thing I did is I didn't leave him. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess it was pretty hard to do. That's the start. It wasn't always that easy. <laughs> yeah, when um, you have to deal with addiction, that's really, really hard. But um, yeah, no, I am super blessed in that um, we did. We had about ten really, really bad years in our marriage, but um, neither of us. I mean, we shouted out the word divorce a couple times, but we didn't truly go down that path we mm. always came back to each other mm. and um i don't know i god i shared this with people before that i believe um during that season that god was um telling me that he was more concerned with my holiness than my happiness mm. and so i just needed to stay the course 
and um, and stand by my husband. I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no clue that God was going to radically save him. We were unequally yoked for right. almost 10 years in our marriage. And so when you're in that situation, you don't know if God's going to save him. I didn't know if he would get sober. I knew none of those things, but God knew. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah. Adrian, maybe, maybe I could help, help even put that into less yeah. um, Christianese language. Because yeah. when Trish said that holiness versus happiness thing, I think, I think an appreciation, regardless of where people are in their lives, uh, you know, secularism, atheism, you know, whatever religion, I think it's an important recognition, though, that it's in the it's in the fire the gold is made. Mm -hmm. uh, I I do think that we live in cultures, U.S. culture, you know, whatever culture, um, in a European culture, whatever, where people don't understand that um, it's often the difficulties that we grow the most. And, and I think that that recognition, whether it's using terms like holiness versus happiness, but it's the recognition that we grow more during difficulties than we do during, during good times. And, and I think if people could even have that perspective to understand that, I mean, look, even growing a business as an entrepreneur, you're talking about success. Entrepreneurship is hard, yeah. right? I mean, depending on the industry you're in, the, maybe one out of seven businesses that start from the ground up will make it long term, depending on the industry. Right, maybe 50%. So how do you make it through it? Well, you make it through it by never giving up. You make mm -hmm. it through it, you make it through it by um, understanding that the difficulties are the time periods you're going to grow the most and learn the most. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's in marriage, like the holiness versus happiness, but if it's in life in general, if you're going to be a business person, you got to be able to get up over and over and over again, and not only being willing to persevere when you get knocked down, but understand it's actually in the knocking down that we learn more than the standing up part. Mm -hmm. So that is a really important um, aspect of business success mm -hmm. is never giving up yeah. and growing during the, during the fire and understanding again, that gold is purified during fire, right? It's not mm -hmm. purified during the, during the cold, it's purified mm -hmm. during the heat. Mm -hmm. So that's a really important recognition. Mm -hmm. Right. So, well, I think, thanks for the deep sharing just now. Um, so before we end, I, I just, I guess, just one last question. I always end with um, asking my guests about the most important soft skill that I think uh, one must have hmm. to, to not give up in their careers and to have a successful career. So could the both of you maybe tell me a little bit about the most important soft skill? Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. I like to think often about emotional intelligence. Hmm. Um People will call it politics. People will call it um, organizational behavior, organizational management. Mm -hmm. I think uh, a a deep a deep understanding of human nature, uh, and where you get that understanding can come from a variety of sources. Obviously, from our perspective, we're Christians, and so we we understand human nature through the Bible. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily have to come that from that direction. So the best soft skill I have is. Um, the most important aspect of success is your interaction with people. Then the pro then, then you move into the processes and you know the whole system mentality and the tools that you use to be successful. So you have to um, better yourself in understanding who people are and how you interact with people and what motivates them. And that's a soft skill, right? That's instinct. A lot of that's instinct, but it's also a proper anthropology. It's a proper understanding of who people are. So I would say for me, that's an incredibly important soft skill or those people skills. And you can learn those. 
some people are better at it than others, right? Some people are more extroverted, introverted. I'm an in, more of an introvert, but you can actually learn about people and learn how to deal with them. Right, right. How about I don't know that I can... I don't know that I can improve on that answer. Um, I was mentioning earlier that mm. one of my top five skills is relator and, mm. um, and communication and all of those things have to do with people skills. And so, um, yeah, so I don't think I can improve on that answer. So ultimately success depends on our, our people around us, mm. right? Uh, I know in business leadership as a CFO board member and all of that, I always like to say, hire people that are better than you be so be so confident in who you are that always bring on people that are better than you are. And then you'll, and then pour into them and, and be joyful about their success and right. don't be threatened by them, but be joyful about um, how they're successful and better than you. And boy, you'll go a long way if you can do that. Mm. Well, look, um, it's been a pleasure speaking to the both of you. Um, I think I and my audience have learned a lot about, you know, a greater, having a greater meaning to life and work, not just about money and reputation. So thanks for taking the time to come to my podcast. Thank and you, hope to see you guys in the future. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you.